Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a thousand years, advertising was hopelessly trapped within rich media banner ads and pre-roll video. Curse to be ignored for eternity. But from nerd culture, sneakers, and dank memes, a new idea emerged. An idea forged in the fires of brand marketing and popular culture came the Pop Marketing Podcast. Joe Cox. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Cox, the pop marketer, and you are listening to another episode of the Pop Marketing Podcast. And look who I have with us today for a part two. Talk so much, Luke Hurd. So good to see you, man. You too. Uh, how, how are you? Like lots, you've been you've been keeping busy here over the the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, busy doesn't quite even cut it. Let's say that it's been. Um, I'm in a I'm in a car with the gas pedal glued to the glued to the floorboard, and I'm just trying to steer it away from people. And oncoming anything rocks. And, you yes. know, it's, yeah. I was never good at driving games. Outrun was not my was not uh, my I might have hit a few things here and there, just no people. Right. I think that's important. I think that's important. Right. Just stuff is, it can be replaced. Um, let's see. Why would you be so busy right now? The last time we talked, we were talking about spatial the design, spatial design, uh, creating in 3D, uh, how to really awesome uh kind of conversation that shed new light and made me think differently about what it is to be a creator Mm. and then the opportunity of a 3d of of creating in in the third dimension uh and so i put some pieces together then but since the last time we talked a few things have happened to you personally uh we can say like you became a father i did that takes up some time so that's great congratulations congratulations uh, let's Thank see. Uh, and then that wasn't enough for you. So you've also, uh, uh, picked up changed jobs. I did so, do that as well. I figure why not? Why just, why change one why thing when you can change all the things? Yeah, get it over, yeah. tear it off like a bandaid, fresh start. It's right. great. Like you're starting to mower. You know, in a pandemic, throw it all in there. You know, like you, you gotta have something else to think about. Right. Uh, uh, so, director of experience design um, XR for VML YNR, working with uh, God knows what brands you're talking to, and working with in inside the space of experience and augmented reality. Uh, um, and to go back to that, uh, still an augmented reality uh, instructor and creator. Uh, you know, working with Spark AR. Uh, um, created a course. I actually, I actually uh, have you in my talk. Where I have Ew. you with the devil face. Like, what was, what's the devil from um, Legend? Did he have a name? Oh, uh, Darkness. 
it's just darkness. darkness. Yeah, yeah. It's not Lucifer. I get it, but no, it's no. very Lucifer-esque. No. Um, so darkness, you with darkness. And basically I'm like, Hey, if you want to know where to start with ARVR, the beautiful thing that's different from when web 2.0 came out is like most of these things are free, right? Like spark AR download it today. You have instructors that we online classes all over the place. And I tell people, I swear to them, I'm like, you couldn't do it in two hours. Like get in there. And yeah. I'm like, you can, you can go in there and create it's made. So even without programming, um, programming it, free, that's so right. like no excuses. Like if you want to jump into it, what a beautiful time to be alive in aspects of the, Hey, if you want to know where things are going, that's it. So you yeah. do that as well. Um, you know, just, just, uh, so much, so much, and so much. and also uh, the certification stuff as well. So uh, worked with um, uh, Meta and uh, uh, some of the people who created uh, Oracle's uh, certification framework uh, to create the certification framework also for Spark AR. So uh, you can go get certified on it. Um, so I also do the curriculum. The curriculum kind of backs up the certification to a degree. It's not quite one for one. It's not meant to be. Um, but, uh, but pretty close. So, um, so yeah, do all that stuff too. So it's been, uh, it has been a busy, busy, busy couple of years. We're talking today about this We're we kind of decided so many different things to talk about. Why the hell wouldn't we talk about the metaverse? I talk about it. I love the word. This idea should not be a surprise to anybody like popular culture. We've known this is something we wanted yeah i think we wanted to be inside of a computer from the first one we built right mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. i'm a tron kid and that's that's showing that's a deep cut now but i mean ready player one uh holodeck like all of these things have been in our head technology just is catching up yeah right? they, the space is catching up yeah so I, I do, I want to talk about the metaverse, specifically geek out a little bit about what's going on and why, you know, uh, AR, augmented reality, mixed reality, and virtual reality, like, well, why is that part of that conversation, right? Like, what part does that play inside of the metaverse? Uh, and, and then specifically, like you were saying, I love this conversation too, it's how do you, as a brand or a marketer or a creator, like, how do you start today? Like, what what are some stuff you can like go into, so you don't have to go in hard, you know, that's and right. create Nike World on Roblox, even though that's rad. I love it. What do you um, feel that kind of the metaverse is right now? Um, well, first, let me say. Um, to be totally fair, Facebook is a personal client of mine. Um, and also Facebook is a client of mine at my day job uh, at VML YNR as well. So uh, I do do a lot of Facebook work. Um, I think one of the benefits of the relationship I have with them, though, is that, um, you know, they don't they don't mind criticism uh, about their platform and their products. Um at least not for me, uh, because I'm pretty fair about the way that it all works. I'm pretty realistic about um, the way advertising works, the way revenue works. You know, we can't give things away for free all the time, that kind of thing. So um, I had come at it from a unique perspective, but I think one of the unique things about what they have done uh, with their rebranding from Facebook to Meta 
uh, has been uh, to leverage their uh, their IP of Oculus uh, so heavily. So, um, you know, they have that. And then they also, part of this announcement uh, going into meta was also leaning on the AR side of things, which is the, the world that I work in there. So, uh, in which they announced the curriculum and some other pieces about how this is a, a new career path for people. And this is a way you can go make money in these worlds now. Uh, they have a unique perspective um, in the way that they view it. Uh, I will say that their perspective tends to be heavily uh, gamified, let's say escapism. It tends to, at least right now it does, focuses a lot on escapism. You can be anywhere, you can go anywhere, you can look anyway. Um, and those are all great things. But that's only one like fragment of how I think the metaverse would work uh, or will work because um, the internet works that way. I can, there's a show on MTV 10 years ago called catfish because people can be anybody on the internet. You could be a dog on the internet, you know, um, it's always worked that way. So it's not anything different that way. It's just visual rather than, or more visual, more immersive. So, but what I think is cool is that a lot of us are ourselves out there. Um, I'm myself. You'll find me as Luke Hurd pretty much everywhere online. Um, my full name, which is, I guess, a little weird, but, um, you know, you can go by uh, a handle or moniker or screen name, whatever they call it these days. I grew up with handle. Um, but, um, right. I did do uh, Yeah. Avatar is cool. Yeah. I'll, take also, it, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Handles this feels right. It, it does feel right. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's interesting because it's like nothing's really changed. We're just moving towards a more um, spatial way of experiencing these type of things. So um, when we talk about the metaverse, a lot of it tends to focus uh, so heavily on VR and so visually focused on these escapist worlds um, where I can go to Mars or I can go sit courtside in an NBA game anywhere but home uh, is kind of the way that they mar- market it. Uh, but I think what's so cool is that the metaverse is the flip side of that. Um, I had a, I put a tweet out probably two months ago, actually, that was like, how come nobody talks about how this door swings the other way? Uh, it's about bringing all these digital things into the real world, not us going into a digital world. So, I mean, that's part of it, but the door swings both ways. So, you know, what does that look like? Um, and that's the metaverse I'm interested in, honestly, um, is what does that look like to live in the real world? to interact with real people, uh, but to still consume digital content and not feel like I'm a device manager for my device, uh, which I feel like is really what we're all doing right now. Um, meaning that like, you know, most of the interactions I do with my phone are minimizing windows, clicking buttons, typing on my phone. I'm, it's all done with my fingertips. I'm worried about swapping between apps, opening a new thing. Even when I want to use speech to text, I still have to click a button to get that to work so like there's still so much uh you know digitation uh, that you have to do and so much mental work you're doing with your device that i'm looking for that to go away when that goes away and the computing just does its own thing um and it's behind the scenes and we can have it be exposed in a real world in a spatial way I think that's the metaverse. I think that's the cool thing where I can walk down the street and still be part of this world and not feel like I'm sitting at home, you know, like Wally with the headset on. Um, 
I don't think anybody wants that. I don't think that's really what anybody wants. It's fun to go lose yourself. But um, as humans, as a society, we need people. We need each other. We need connections. And um, I think that that's just something that uh, is really cool that nobody talks about enough with the metaverse is that's the point. The point is to like go back to those roots of interacting with each other and not feeling like the device that we're interacting with is the thing that we're interacting with to interact with the people. We want to interact with the people, not the device. And right now we're doing a lot of device interaction. So um, I think that's the cool thing is the removal of the device kind of the same way that books disappear as you're reading a, reading a book. You know, you're turning the pages. It's not a thing that is in your way at all. The tech removes itself and you get lost in the story. That's what I'm looking forward to. The metaverse will be the tech removing itself and I can just get lost in the story with you, with my wife, with my kid, maybe by myself, maybe as I'm walking down the street, whatever it may be. So I think it's a lot broader than I think people give it credit for. Um, And that's just AR and VR that I'm really talking about. That's just ways that we experience the metaverse. So it's not even, I'm not even talking about the economy and what it means to own your own data and be your own, you know, own your own individual person. We don't have enough Tommy, unfortunately, but it's, it is, um, what you're saying is kind of a fundamentally just, I love it. And this is why I love talking to you because I, I know it. We know it. We, we The idea of the metaverse, really, what you're saying is like, start here and don't go any further, right? Like, it's like, it's really just a more merging of the digital, of, of our digital kind of life and and our natural life, our physical world, right? Like, it's, so it's just more of that merging. It's already, folks, really merged. So what I'm always saying is, hey, this is just building off the fundamental building blocks of the very first web page or like the, you know, the, the decentralization and the idea of the internet from the beginning, right? Totally. It's all built. It's all, it's nothing like that's just a new thing that has been built. It's just, it's just more layers and all these kind of things merging together. But I do yeah. feel like you're saying really makes me even more excited because it makes it even bigger. It's like, yes, and not it's it, it it can be this virtual world really it can open up to these this place that in space where I can go into or uh, share, you know, like it's it's something apart from the natural world, but it's still me inside of that, inside the computer. But maybe just bigger than even idea of that is the augmentation uh, and then the integration of that, all of that into our natural world to make it better. Enhanced reality. Yeah, to make it and to make it way less because we know we have a huge problem. If you don't think we have a huge problem with people staring at, at, at their phones at just, you know, the black mirror. Um, they made a freaking, you know, dystopian show that about, about I, it. It's, it's, it's crazy. If you, I mean, you can just go Google, uh, you can go Google 90% of data or 10% of data. If you Google the, one of those two words, phrases, you'll see quickly that, uh, in the past three years, it accounts for 90% of the data that we've transmitted over the internet. So of all the time that the internet's been around, 90% of the data is accounted for in the last three years, which mm-hmm. means that it's a hockey stick of data being mm-hmm. transmitted. I mean, it, it, to say that lightly, it's more than a hockey stick. But um, 
to process and display all that data for you to be able to manually search it and think that your little primitive wetware brain is capable of processing that much data is absurd. You need a computer to do it for you and your device is going to be have to be supercharged or otherwise you're going to spend all your time managing it. So that's where we talk about machine learning and AI. It comes in these little these little pieces here. Um, because that's where it matters because you don't want to sit there and screw with your phone all day long to figure out what's the best way to do this. I mean, that's why Google is so cool. It it combs through all of these results and gives you these relevant results through machine learning. Uh, and it does it over and over and over again to refine itself. Uh, that does it on a search engine. Imagine if that's doing that locally on your phone, understanding how you open apps, understanding where you're looking on your phone. So you can, so as I look around my phone, it knows that I'm looking for, you know, Facebook or Snapchat or my camera. And it's like, here you go. Um, without me going, Oh, I need to go to this thing. And this, where did I put that icon again? Um, that stuff's really cool. And then another thing that really leverages that idea of getting out there in the world is that, if you think about our progress from web one to web two, web one was all about these networked computers that sat that we sat in front of at home. Web two was where we got out into the world. We got mobile, mobile yeah. phones. So it's like, this is a logical progression of us going out into the world. We're not going to go back to our homes and put headsets on. That's the opposite way of what we, the world we just came from. And, uh, I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I still sit at home. I'm sitting at you talking to you at home on my desktop. So, I mean, it's, it's not that there's not a use for it. It's just not, it's not all there is. It's not all there is. We all know what it, what it means to take your phone, put it in your pocket and get the hell out of your house. (laughs) It feels great. You know, um, as long as you have your phone, when you don't have your phone, it feels a little terrifying sometimes, but you know, um, I don't know. I think there's just so much cool stuff there. And, um, we know that all these companies are investing money in it. I mean, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Facebook, those are the top five companies in the world. They're all dumping money into AR. They all have AR platforms. Um, it's not going to go anywhere. Definitely, definitely um, going to be a continually evolving and growing thing as we, uh, as we build the metaverse. Do you think it's already here or do you have an argument of like, it, we haven't even seen it begun yet, right? Like, it's already here. It's already here. Yeah. It's just, we don't, we haven't, I, I even said this to a friend yesterday. I was like, I thought uh, Zuck was crazy whenever he bought Oculus to the first, I was like, do you, you have, you must have a bigger plan because I just didn't see it at the time. That just, and trust me when I say like, I should have seen it, but I didn't because it was so off of what it they didn't were doing. feel connected. And now it feels like, oh, well, this is not just a, hey, let's just jump on this metaverse train. Well, this was something that at least for them, I feel like um, it's been a lot. There's been a lot to build the road, to build the plumbing, not just. And basically, my other thought is this. I don't feel like personally, I don't feel like meta owns the metaverse just because they name themselves that i don't even feel like they think they will own the metaverse uh maybe i'm wrong um but they don't they the idea of web3 is in the metaverse in general is it's not an own it's not an ownable it's not we we our heads are stuck in web2 in centralization and you know like one or two companies punching each other over totally um 
I, I, so I find myself defending Facebook to a degree. I mean, there's things that Facebook does, of course, that are, I'll say are indefensible, um, uh, to, you know, there's things that they do with, uh, certain ways that they allow media to get shared online and get dispersed is a little, uh, terrifying to me. I'll be totally honest with you, but, um, as a company, um, I know a lot of the people who work there. I know a lot of people who build this tech. I know a lot of the people who are responsible for building the stuff that does facial recognition, not knowing who you are, but knowing where your eyes and your mouth and how open they are and stuff. Um, these are great people. These are no- completely honest, normal people. And they feel like they are building um tech that is going to change the world. And I think that they're right. Um, and if they don't do it, somebody's going to. So, um, and whoever that is, is going to be viewed as kind of the big baddie in the room. Uh, in the nineties, it was Microsoft and Bill Gates. Funny enough, Bill Gates is now back in the news, but for a different reason, but, uh, but it was Bill Gates and you know, those were the gifs or gifs, uh, that you'd see in, um, uh, on AOL or, or AOL instant messenger would be these, you know, Bill Gates with devil horns with the Microsoft logo spinning around behind them. Um, because they controlled the world before that it was IBM. Guess who took a shot at them? Apple did. Um, you know, and now it's Facebook. Um, it's just because whoever the biggest person in the room is going to be that going to be that target. So I don't know. I, 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 I'm a little, I'm glad that they are publicly talking about things like um, the way that Oculus connects. You haven't needed to use a Facebook account to get into Oculus and wanting to remove that. Absolutely. Huge, huge. I know many people that are, that should be on and were really, really wanted to use it, but would not use it because it, it, it part of the deal was you had to have a Facebook account, you if, know, link it to your Facebook account. If it connected and it made me and it made sense, I would be more prone to understanding why it's there. But it right. doesn't really benefit me in any way. I can't really use Messenger in a lot of ways that I would want to, uh, or or post to Facebook. They they've even removed sharing from Facebook out of Oculus now, so you can't even post to Facebook anymore. Um. I just don't quite understand what the integration was even for. I felt like it was just, it, it, it felt, it just didn't feel right. And I think everybody felt that way. And I think they eventually kind of came around to that idea that it's probably not the best move, but, um, and, and, and if you're going to talk about, um, the metaverse and talk about decentralization and ownership and giving rights to creators, um, you can't have a centralized, um, connection point like that it just doesn't well, make any sense and, like that <laughs> and it's it's funny that you're you're helping me again on kind of just the shaping some ideas and th- the way i think of on the metaverse you have been focused a, a bit in this conversation which is awesome about kind of just i was going to ask about ai if we had time but like sure. we're in it and it makes sense now to me because it's like think about how much your time you're on the f- on your phone and think about how much time are you swiping, uh, uh, manually going through a ton of different, just just managing, 
just managing the hundred apps that I have, remembering where I put them, uh, opening that up, having a very focused on one thing, holding it up. (laughs) Oh God, a lock. You know, I really know when I look ugly, whenever it doesn't recognize me, (laughs) I wake up in the morning and I'm like, dude, this angle's so bad that the thing doesn't recognize me. Like that's, I got to shake. I I shake it off and I'm like, okay, I put my chin on. I'm like, okay, I'm better now. You know, it's me, but like, there's just so much. And you're thinking of it as like, well, that's what we need the computer to do some of those jobs for us, right? Like if we can get that stuff out of the way, it'll help us have a better experience, period. Like it'll help us be more fluid with our use of technology. So we're not spending as much time um, uh, uh, trying to tame it, but we can actually lift our heads up into the world versus down out of the world, right? Like kind of idea, uh, which I love, but it's also when in the bigger internet wise, when you look at web three, it's kind of the idea of decentralization is why do I manually have to do all this stuff? Why do we have to have a center in between third person? Right. Like, well, can't we just, can't we have AI kind of take care of a lot of this stuff um, for us, uh, a lot of these jobs for us, uh, and not have to worry about a lot of the human crappiness, like uh, and mistake making, and um, the, uh, the the things in the way, and just have it be the the computer do the, the that grunt work for us. Yeah, and stand out of the way and allow us to. Um, people get scared about that, though. That people react. Yeah, I get it. I mean, like they do because it feels like they're giving up control to Skynet. Totally. I, so I give this, I give this hour long talk, uh, to brands, uh, and internally too, uh, basically about why we talk about why we're talking about AR and VR and AI and ML and all this stuff, uh, which kind of comes down to just everything being in the same stack. So that's why we talked about responsive web and the cloud and everything else in that back then in the same stack. So, mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about a new stack. Uh, we're kind of almost in that stack a little bit. We have some of the ML and AI out there. We have um, definitely have some decentralized stuff out there. If you've been paying attention at all to uh, any kind of crypto stuff or NFTs, that's what that's all about. So it's already permeating. Um, the visual stuff is always the last to follow because it's the toughest stuff to figure out. The displays and all, how much power draw <laughs> totally. and all that. So, totally. I, I ne- and you never think about it, but I think about it constantly. I never thought about it before because a good design, you won't think about it. It's invisible, right? Right. But now I'm like, man, things get really interesting when you're thinking about a whole new design outside of a little square box. Yeah. And on top of the world, right? Like, yeah. I mean, p- part of the, honestly, part of the, one of those talks is talking about how, you know, for a hundred thousand years as human beings, we talked to each other and we just conversed and we just spoke and we interpreted information around our, around from the world, uh, through our skin and our sight, uh, so we'll touch, uh, through our touch and sight, uh, you know, orally, audibly, um, perceptually, we can tell uh, gestures and uh, the way that people sit or carry themselves. There's a lot of information that we glean uh, without ever doing anything. Without just, we just sit there and we can just absorb this information. 
And whether we consciously know that we're doing it or not, which 100%. is the coolest thing in the world, right? 100%. That's what intuition it really leaves itself up to. Like our brain is collecting way more than it knows our little monkey brains are capable of totally. like dealing with. Totally. Right. And then, and then we go to uh, talk about it or experience it or share it with someone else. And we have to do it all through our fingers, every little bass bit of it. We type through our fingers, we scroll with our fingers, we tap, we pinch, we zoom, all of it goes through our fingers. And how much communication do you do in your daily life with your fingers to your to the people around you? Not very, maybe some pointing and stuff, but um, but it's not that. It's not that kind of communication. So we've we've kind of like co-opted the way we communicate to be in our fingertips, and it's it's a bottleneck uh, for information to pass information back and forth. So. What that means is that, you know, around 8,000 years ago, we developed the written language. So we started doing that on like clay tablets in Sumeria, uh, recording tax records, of course, because that's what we'd want to record as something about money. Um, right. So, it you know, tax records, but we're finally recording information. But we did it on these flat clay tablets and we didn't do it because they were cool squares. We did it because they stacked. It was something you could go stack in a corner. It was this reason that they were flat and they were rectangles. Uh, because they made sense in our physical world to have a flat rectangle to be a thing that you would write on. Um, and that happened over and over again with pages and eventually books. And then eventually these dynamic screens, computers, all the same. You and I are still talking together through this flat rectangle. 8,000 years later, it might update with liquid crystals and stuff, but it still has the same stuff on it. Drawings, our drawings move and stuff, but drawings, text, same stuff, same bottlenecks, exactly the same bottlenecks. So what we're talking about is how do we take all this other information that we use to communicate with each other and bring that out in the real world? What if I can tell if you're happy or sad? I mean, I can, there's a lot you can talk to, use computers and AI to learn about people, to get information about people uh, that is not, doesn't require you to walk up as a human being and input it into a computer with using your fingers. Um, so if you think about it, computers are really just opening up their inputs right now. We really just have a big open input and we're saying, okay, now we want to care about the way your eyes move and the way your facial muscles move and the way you follow something on a screen and the way that you are sitting there looking bored. Um, there's so much information now that computers can take in that is, um, you know, it's kind of like you're, when web browsers first were able to tell your location, like that was one very, one new variable, your location. And suddenly we called it personalization. Oh, localization. We can localize your web, your web experience to exactly where you are. Well, with AR and with VR and with a machine learning and AI, we're talking about opening up hundreds of new variables that we can now really personalize experiences with, uh, from localization to not just where I am on the planet, but how tall am I? How far off the ground am I from the planet? That makes a difference. Um, what direction am I facing on the planet? That makes a difference. Um, how close am I to another human being? That makes a difference. I mean, there's just so much stuff there. And on top of that, now you're talking about having passive people in the experience. Suddenly there's people who don't have these devices who are walking around in my line of sight in interacting with my experiences that I have in these glasses or whatever, and they don't even have them. So how do I design stuff? How do I care about stuff as a brand for those people? How do I let those people know one, what they're missing, 
Two, that they're being recorded. Three, that they're part of an experience that they haven't opted into. There's just so much stuff. There's so much cool stuff out there around this stuff, around around uh, the metaverse and the and the way that people interact with these devices that I think they just don't really think that much about. It's kind of looked at more of like uh, going from 4K to 8K, but it's really like going from like a 4K television to like a movie theater that sprays water in your face, you know? Right. <laughs> right. And that's not even it. That's, and that's that not even is it. That's the a, closest that's you and I came. Right. And that's, what's so cool about it is I do. I, when I talk to people on it too, it's, I, I try not to get to my, you know, we have a spidey sense. It's not like our first day on the job or our first rodeo. I've seen this happen. And like, I, I tell everybody like my, when web one came out, I was there and I knew it was game changer for me, yep. especially living in the country, in the middle of the country, you know, without any kind of ideas of all this cool stuff going out in the world, yep. we would get it really late and just knowing I could tap in and there was communities and there's people that like D and D or whatever weird thing that you're into. And you could like connect with, with other places. Like you had a library of, of human records on, you know, on, on a computer you know, AOL. It was pretty awesome at the time for some reason. And then web 2.0, I built a career around, right? Like it's awesome. Like read and write as was awesome. And mobile was awesome. And it's just like, that's a, it was a really big shift. And I just, this is the next shift, right? Like, and it's not a dream. It's like, what do you think all this, all the self-driving cars, what do you think the plumbing's all on? Like, you brought up, I saw a video you made. People should check it out. Um, I know it's on LinkedIn, but it's uh, you visited for your friends over at uh, Niantic yeah. uh, who uh, who made Pokemon Go. And before that, they made another game that kind of crowdsourced all that information that Pokemon Go was able to do, the Geo kind of stuff. And now, God. Do you know how many human beings and data they have of people walking around every that you have un, no idea. It's unfathomable. <laughs> it makes my brain hurt. But think about the millions of people that play it, the millions of people that play all the time. All this stuff, you're right, is already here. Like we're not building it from the ground up. All that kind of geo information. It's also, am I wrong to think that this is a lot of it is where cars self-driving cars oh yeah totally. are dealing with too yes 100 percent. so because they'll have to deal with people cars that aren't ai you know driven yeah. too, so right? there's a there's a there's a guy named um i'm gonna destroy his last name so we'll just call him timmy uh he works for volvo <laughs> Uh, and, uh, oh, he Volvo's does doing crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, so he does that there. He's the head of their innovation, does some AR VR stuff for them. And they literally take it from the point of like, we design everything about our car for the person on the sidewalk, the person not in the car. So it's like you're standing on the sidewalk and a Volvo drives by. They design it from that standpoint, which is like, what does it mean to get hit by a Volvo? <laughs> I mean, they do it seriously. They care a lot about just the, the, the passive people, in the design, which I think is very fascinating because you're so, again, I'm an experienced design. I've been a developer and stuff, but you always start so quickly at like, okay, you know, they're already here and they're playing our game and, you know, and they're going to be catching, you know, hamburgers coming down. Are they, are they going to be playing your game? Are they already here? Like, that's really the, you know, I don't know. It, it's, 
it's just really interesting because you don't you're not really designing for people you're kind of just designing a game uh, but you're but then you have to think about you know this is what was wrong with the web at the beginning of all this you know the antiquity of the web when it was powered by developers uh, and no ill will towards developers i'm also a developer too but just to say when the web was powered just by developers it was kind of an ugly thing. It wasn't very usable. Um, it didn't fit on a lot of screens because screens were 600 by 400 and 800 by 600. Very rarely was it 1024. You know, you didn't have that much width, but they didn't care. They were designing shit for whatever, you know, and, um, but it looked that way. And then eventually you started getting more into the craft of like what it looked like. And you start seeing flash websites, which again, not very usable, but more, leaning into the design way bigger jump and way bigger jump in in usability and then and then once you get experience in the door um in information architecture and all these other roles that you get alongside developers that's when you start seeing responsive user-focused websites and e-commerce appear and people actually using things using tools on the web as opposed to it being a library and information source or it being like a creative playground, which were like kind of the first two inf- uh, versions of the web, you know, and then eventually it was like, Hey, we can make money at this. So I think this world is kind of in that same sense. I think we have, it's one, it's being created by game designers. Um, Cause that's, who's creating all these engines who do everything. So if you don't know game design, you definitely should. That's literally like the next web design. So, Go learn game design. Um, if you're young and you're listening to this, go learn game design. And you can do it for free. They, you can do it for free. They, I mean, if you, I was just in Raleigh um, last week, and Raleigh's the home of Epic Games, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't. I'm, I get to the airport and the triangles there, right? Like, I learned all about. I was like, oh god, I've always heard of the triangle, and they have. Um, but all these things that come out of that, like Epic Games, was started in a garage. Now they're taking over. They bought an old mall just like a few months ago. And they're taking over that as like a campus, right? Like an old, an old mall. And I'm like, dude, this is the center point. One of of the center points because of Epic, not because of Fortnite, but because of Unreal, Unreal Engine. And then you look at, um, Meta, you know, what is it? MetaHuman? What is their, uh, MetaHuman, yeah. Uh, and look at MetaHuman, and you look at all those tools, and guess what? All free to uh, play until you start making money from them, right? Totally. Like yeah. it's, and not only that, you can crazy. do virtual, full virtual productions with them. We just, I can't talk about what it's for, but we just did a whole virtual production in Unreal Engine, uh, just like the Mandalorian God. does. If you know what the Mandalorian yes. is, yes. exactly that same thing. Did it out in a, a huge airline hangar out in London, uh, out in England. Um, and shot out there for a week or so. Um, and, uh, I talked to John Bazell from unreal, uh, unreal games, uh, unreal engine, um, out at, um, AWE last week and uh, a little bit about this thing. And, but that's what a cool thing you're taking this virtual engine that just creates virtual. I mean, it's, you know, you can create virtual worlds or whatever, um, but then you're bringing it to the digital world like this. They have such a smart um, approach to the metaverse with the way that they partner <sighs> with people with Fortnite and the way that they partner with Fortnite. And then just the way that they bridge it into creators, hardcore leveraging it into creators and the creator community and, and um, 
and then obviously digital production. So, I mean, you're getting one, you're getting movie industries being able to create things at $300,000 productions on a budgets that they would have had to spend millions on before. And, um, it's, it's just crazy, man. Just crazy. They, have a, they definitely have a vision. And I, I, I did not mean to take you down another road. Um, but like with, with the idea, I think it's important for us to understand that we're not talking when we say gaming's important and game design, it is just because it's the engine. Yes. It's going to be the engine of the metaverse, meaning if it's a graphical, way more graphic heavy, I need to, the experience is more like you and me in real life. This is close, closer yes. than we've ever been. Video is awesome. But like if we want to put it in a th- spatial place, the, the amount of crunching you're going to do, you don't want to build a billion different engines. That's the tough part, the crunching, the right. the building that and unreal. That's the browser. I mean, just think the, about yes, it like the browser. The browser. You know, that's so great. the the bane of existence when I first started doing web development back in the mid nineties was there were no standards. So fonts would render different between Netscape and Internet Explorer and different on Mac Netscape and Mac Internet Explorer. And there were no style sheets at the time. So it was like, how do you even target these things? And so we were you were like trying to do all yep. this annoying stuff and, and, and then, and then you had this annoying thing where, you know, in internet Explorer, it would be font size, one word in Netscape, it was font dash size. So you had these, then when style sheets came out, you had two style sheets, one for Microsoft, one for Netscape. Um, it's that way right now in this world. Uh, so, um, you, you build an unreal, it lives in unreal. You know what I mean? Uh, if you build yep. build for Internet Explorer, it lives in Internet Explorer. So you do kind of have to learn the nuances of the of the browser that you're working in. But um, but you can see which and I'll use the browser term again, which browsers are are, um, are making waves in those areas. Which ones are really coming out of the gate, swinging hard, and saying we want to own this space uh, from from a from that perspective. But the game development thing is so big. I mean. Uh, I say that many, many times in every talk I give, which is literally if, you know, uh, web developers created the two dimensional web game developers are going to create the next one. AR developers are going to create the next one. VR developers are going to create the next one web developers and understanding how to lay things out with X and Y and relative values and ratios that's done with. If we don't need to care about ratios and screens, um, we are always going to need to care about those to some degree. The same reason we have landlines, the same reason we have all this old technology. We still have COBOL that's still being out, that's still in the world. So is Fortran. There's just less of it. There's going to be less and less of this eventually. Um, but that's the way the world's going to go. I think it's just but that's the way it goes. I mean, and always. that's the way it goes. It's it, we move. Uh, and why we, wouldn't it? Why, like, that's the kind of our point um, as humans, right? Like the progress of that. And as things move into mainstream and down, the energy is always like that's what pop marketing is about. It's the energy is in the novel, is in the, the edge, is in what's coming and new. And then the old stuff gets cheaper and, uh, you know, like kind of just move it moves it's not it, it, it and people can make a lot of money a lot of business off of that yeah. part of it but we're talking about where um which way where are the pucks moving right like where mm-hmm. where we are gonna go um like it or not uh and and i think in a lot of points that i really like it is that 
do you feel like we'll have more control? Do you do you are do you feel like in a decentralized um, space uh, or what they talk with Web three three? Do you feel like it does give more control to the creators to um, to the user or in its current form? No. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna dog on NFTs for just a second. I like NFTs. I like the idea of digital ownership, but I just want to talk really quick about what's what concerns me about it uh nfts uh, as a whole are not decentralized so you're still tied to that website and that platform so if your super rare goes down or foundation goes down or disappears forever then you, your ownership and your certificate of ownership disappears forever unless somebody picks that torch up and can certify that all that stuff is real so um even though it exists on the blockchain even though it exists on ethereum or whatever blockchain tezos or whatever it may be um, if you don't have that other ledger off to the side saying this thing is owned by this person, when that ledger goes away, if that ledger is not decentralized, then you're not decentralized. So that's the thing that they struggle with right now. That ledger right now, in most cases, on almost all cases of NFT world is not decentralized. Um, not to say you shouldn't practice in this and support artists. Um, you definitely should. But it's something just to keep in mind uh, that you're at the beginning of this. It's a little shaky. <laughs> um, so uh, definitely proceed at your own risk because um, it can seem like parts of it are decentralized and it's walking that walk. But if you look into it a little bit more, you'll realize that the ownership aspect is not quite as decentralized as you might assume. He, here's one for you. Like, I think it is a great place. If you want to go into the space, which everyone should, yes. you should go in. Trust me, there is no way for me to write a book to you or do in any service other than you have to jump in because there's a lot of, and you'll learn about crypto. You'll learn about the ledger. You'll learn about things that are fundamentally going to be part of this web three and is going to kind of pull everything together uh, and gives in the future some kind of ownership. So you're, I think you're totally right on, but if you do want to play it, I think it is worthy to be able to get 100%. in those spaces just to get on a discord and watch how it, a really good community kind of rallies around uh, you know, uh, I, rallies I, around uh, and dowels and like these ideas of, yes of how these things work, getting the administration stuff out of the way and allowing people to kind of just organize and build from a community rather than like a head of something. It's right. It works and it's happening right now. Totally. Um, it's, it's really cool. I, I, cool. I really like, I just put a tweet out yesterday cause I thought this was kind of funny because, you know, in the two thousands, um, late 1999, early two thousands, the internet was a different place. Uh, we hadn't really seen commerce take off on the internet. It's hard to, it's hard to picture it, but it is hundred percent commerce did not happen. Yeah. It just wasn't happening. I mean, there was like CD now, which Amazon ended up buying and a couple other ones that were doing all right, but you know, you're not even buying CDs anymore, much less buying them online. Um, so we were 10 years out from Amazon, like you're out from, yeah. From, from what it would, what it would be, um, and you know, there's this there's this interesting thing where we looked at the internet and said, um, 
and and so uh, music, the music industry started taking notice right around this time, 99, 2000. That's when Napster first started hitting. I remember I was showing everybody in my agency Napster, and I think we like were just dogging their, the ISP, the, our internet service for like two weeks. Um, oh, yeah. Every call like, on oh, the planet, every job, yeah, every server was getting used. To, um, so, yeah. Music. So, you know, you have this interesting aspect and view of ownership back then. And that was nobody owns the electron and it was very anti digital rights management, anti DRM. When you bought a CD with DRM on it, it was no fun. You'd put it in your CD player and it open up the software you had to install. And Sony even got in trouble for installing spyware on people's computers to unlock it, to be able to use this key to say, this is a valid copy of this thing. And here we are right back here talking about DRM for everybody. It's weird. It's weird. Um, I'm oh, I'm all for it, but what in happened? the guys? Maybe you're 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 sniffing around where I've I've been thinking a lot of which sucks. I know is like am I just arguing for freedom, but really I'm giving giant companies the ability to totally make money again. Totally on every having to buy every single thing and have ownership if every single instead of a dvd it's an nft right or whatever right. right and i can't lend it to my friend there's a whole thing behind it i mean there's already kind of a thing behind linen dvds but um but yeah i think that there's i'm all for having these cool questions though i like this i like the evolution of the world i like that the world changes so you're either you're either a fundamentalist where you, mm. where you where you dig deeper into the hole of the thing that you know, or you're an extremist where you're trying to radically change it all. Mm-hmm. I tend to be on the extremist side of things, and I really like the idea of things changing. I rearrange my room all the time and that kind of thing. So I, I like that things change, even if it's for things I don't understand, and it feels like it might be for the worse or whatever, um, because it just means that things are evolving and moving. So. I'm all for this. I'm all for NFTs. I'm all for digital ownership. I'm all for the idea of having an alternative currency um, and the idea of what that means of just saying like, hey, money, of course, is what we just give value to something. We're just giving value to it. Why can't we just go have this other thing and give it value just like Beanie Babies or anything else, but we're going to actually treat this as currency, call it currency and treat it as currency and give it value. And we're because it's an idea and our, and currency is an idea, just right. like everything that, that kind of holds exactly. us together as an idea. So if enough people get together and say this and is how awesome is the you. internet, how many cool things has the internet just flipped upside down to where the industry just doesn't know what to think about it. Starting with the music industry, not starting with, but it was one industry. of the first. And then you have uh, a new, you know, and, and news, which news. sucks really hurt us in the long run. Uh, Cause we were like, Hey, Twitter can give us news. We don't need, we don't need the media. <laughs> and then now I'm like, Oh God, where's those old school journalists. We need them back. We, we need, need, we need them so hard. Back so um, bad. But you're totally right. It started really disrupting pretty early. And what it well, why is cause it just, it reached everything. It changed everything. Right. And it gave everything kind of that digital layer. Metaverse is just that next layer on top of the layer. I mean, you could kind of even argue that the QAnon thing is the first Metaverse cult. Yeah. It's going to happen again, man. It's going to happen again. And fortunately, it is part of of our culture now. Um, It's part of the amazing stuff that we get when we pull a lever. 
another lever is pulled on the other side of it, right? Well, and fire can, you know, fire can cook your food or burn your house down. What do you, what do you do with it? But it is out of the control and it feels like it's the, the train stopping the train might not be the best decision in human, um, you know, uh, evolution. There's so many cool, there's, forward. there's so many interesting things about humanity and, and what we've done in the past, like 150 years. If you think about it, we never really had, the Department of Education, let's say mass education, mass education. On How, scale new that we that? Do it, How new is that? How new is that? 120 years old. Yeah. Before that, we didn't have anything like that. Now we're, and now we teach all kids pretty much the same type of stuff in across the country, same, roughly the same. You can move from Georgia to Missouri and you're pretty much going to be using around the same level of textbooks and stuff. Um, that's crazy. That's not crazy, but that's pretty monumental that we were able to put all that together. Now we have it on a global scale where it's like, we just never, we're, we're all part of this weird experiment. We're all kind of figuring it out together. Um, I don't think it's good to be scared of it. I think the scare, be, when you get scared, you get a little fundamentalist about stuff. You get a little, you kind of tighten around what you know and try to strengthen what you know, and you're not open to new extreme ideas. And yeah. I think and you that, protect, you protect, you start getting really protective of those things. The, it, totally. And they become part of your identity, right? Like it's hard right. to let them go. I get it. It is. I get it. I Me do. Too. I definitely do. I mean, I, I'm in my forties. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't think that I sit, don't sit up at night on both sides of the camp, you're crazy. I am yeah. proud I don't, that I am in a constant battle with myself on each side of the the road I, and i i'm i'm happy that i do not i am not um i'm smart enough just to know that i don't know shit yes. and like i can my mind can be shifted um multiple times based on the but what does that mean what does that mean in the metaverse i mean that's a cool that's you brought up a good point you know so the news the news or journalism anyway, on the, on the internet has been reduced to uh, clickbait. It's been reduced to money. The well, most sala- salacious, sensational headline generates the most clicks. Therefore you get rad revenue. It's a game and it's an easy one to see like the outcome yeah. of it. And it's very hard for me to see uh, using the same mechanics and the same game system, which is advertising. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to see a way out of it in our current model. You me can too. talk about it. You can talk me about too. it. Me too. I mean, even looking at, I, I used to, this is another ancient talk I used to give, but I used to have these uh, screenshots of um, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, Al Jazeera, BBC, and it was what followed the news article. So you scroll down, what's next? Almost all American news is clickbait nonsense headlines that are fake. Almost all of them it's an ad unit that they put in there and it's like, you won't believe what she saw. And it it's on CNN. It's on Fox news. It's on MSNBC. How does that foster any trust with news organizations to leverage that type of advertising on your network? When you're trying to say we're not fake news, but your ads are literally fake news. It's so strange. And imagine that in the metaverse, imagine that kind of um, nonsensical, disconnect of what your message is and how you advertise or how you not even they don't advertise that way but that's how they make a revenue is by hawking fake news quite literally 
but it's not their journalists that do it. It's just their, you know, it's an ad block that's on there. Yeah. It just I mean, comes it's from, capital. Like, it's, it has to make money and they have shareholders to answer to. And the system seems tough to like overcome. Yeah. Taking it to the metaverse. Do you feel like it offers any ways outside of the traditional system? I mean, getting into it a little bit deeper, but in I the future, so. do you see the, do we see that ability to trust, to I, get trust, to, so. to get trust back? Cause it feels very antitrust, but I tell people be careful because it doesn't, here's why it seems antitrust. Look at AI and um, uh, deep fakes. Mm-hmm. That's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. In fact, it makes way better facial places than like most CGI right right now. Um, yeah. And I show a commercial with Bruce Willis where he just sold his identity, which is through AI and his voice, which is all AI too. And you pay that and he can be in your commercial. So he doesn't have to go and shoot it. He doesn't have to do anything. He's just there and you sell his likeness or identity through that. Um, a it. lot of NBA stars are doing that too. And then you have VTubers. I don't know if you've, we've talked about it a little bit as I've always asked you, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, uh, how do I set this up or where do I go for this? And can I do it in VR? And I've gone really deep by the way. Um, I love it, but you can be somebody else, right? Like you, mm-hmm. this whole idea of metaverse is be somebody else. So it feels like it's all going to be one anonymous joke. Like, like it, it, the bad parts of the internet and the non-trust even get amped up. But I, for some reason, I don't feel that. I just don't think we're going to do that. That's it. I just, I really hope not. Um, so one of my favorite movie series, I mean, of course, is going to be Back to the Future, just because, again, I mentioned them in my 40s. But one of the reasons that I really like Back to the Future is because of how they treated the future, which is now the past. But how they treated the future in those movies was not Blade Runner. It was not... Um, Dystopian. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't rainy and neon and dirty and the, we, we it was polluted or... or um, yeah, it wasn't... It actually it felt been, more like just kind of like our world now with yeah. some, with some, um, there was kind of some dystopian funny parts like the, sure. like the hovercraft, uh, conversion costing, I think like $9 million. So showing like inflation had been <laughs> sure. out of control, um, or that they had uh, abolished all lawyers, you know, um, you know, uh, they had a, a, a sense of it, but it was like, but it was real. It was like, yeah, shit sucks, but it's pink and green over here. You know, it's there's bubble gum and pop over here because that's the way the world is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always kind of been that way. The world was about to die in a nuclear holocaust. You know, when I watched Back to the Future, <laughs> there was a nuclear arms race yeah. between you know two two countries, and uh, and here I was sitting in a movie theater watching something about you know time travel. So talk about escapism. It's needed. Right there's a right. there's a place in time for it. absolutely. There definitely is. There definitely is. But you know, it's like. How cool is that that you can um, kind of look back and say that I don't I don't want to say it's always been like this because I do think that the internet has changed quite a bit of communication and the way that you can um, push mass media or push push mass mass propaganda w- across people I think that that's something that's definitely uh, very scary to me uh, just as a human being um, but uh, if we can make it through this part of it and um, and part of this too is just, like you said, the thing with trust. Um, 
teaching critical thinking to people is so important. And, and, and I get, you know, part of it is saying I'm a very critical person. Um, I criticize a lot and I, and I'm, somebody tells me something happened. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm get, I'm very distrustful of anything that seems slightly supernatural or, Skept- or you know, you're I mean. skeptical by nature, very not skeptical to say you're not, by o- nature. not to say you're not open to whatever. It just is right. like you're, but, you're, but it doesn't mean I don't trust things. It means uh, your default is more of asking some questions. Right. And, Which, but I, but I still think that that leads me down a path of science. Um, mm. and, and, um, it leads me down a path of, um, having a, having, a, I don't know how to say this any other way, having a foot grounded in reality. So I think as long as we can continue to foster those things in people, um, in understanding that, you know, how to tell deception, um, cause you're never really going to stop it. I don't think unless you can somehow put some sort of gatekeepy thing on the big communicative things out there like Facebook and, and stuff like that. But I don't know. The I don't know how any of that works is if, and I think it starts to come from the, you know, the idea of trust would be, you know, the ledger is something I could trust, right? That's the whole right. point of, of, uh, you know, the blockchain is like, Hey, it, it, the idea isn't super smart as in like, it's a ledger. It's just universal. But what do you do? Like if you, but can people trust it? And then if it works for currency, could it work for something, you know, could it work for that? For I I think the biggest threat to that, I'm just going to say, I think the biggest threat to that is the ignorance around it. Um, Mm -hmm. So there was a, there's a court case. I'm not even going to mention who it is or what it is. It just happened. And part of one of the arguments in it was when you zoom in on your phone, there's Uh. AI in there that modifies the pixels. Yeah. Now that's not what happens, but all it takes is some ignorant person to say that in a position of power. And it doesn't really matter if it's true or not. So if someone's in a position of power and they say, I don't trust this Ethereum thing, it's just a bunch of numbers. It doesn't make any sense. And then half of the country says, yeah, this is nonsense. It's done. It's done. So that part really scares me for the future because I feel like that's really where the propaganda piece comes in and understanding how to think critically um, and understanding that, um, you know, you can trust people, but you can't, blind trust doesn't make any sense. I don't know any other way to say that, but that just came up this week, you know, of course the pixel thing, and that was a whole thing with that trial. And um, but it got me thinking, like, what does that happen when a judge uh, questions the validity of the blockchain because he's an idiot? It, what do you do? Yeah, and we've seen it. We've seen it a lot. Like, look at any interview, mostly. You're, of, you're, you're relying on the judge jury at that right. point. Uh, and now things are not getting less complex. Right. Right. So it's, um, it's going to be extremely interesting. To, and to live through, I'm very happy to be living through this time, right? I Me am, too. and I'm I'm fortunate, and and I'm happy to be able to see the future, kind of as it goes on, and happy to like chat with this with somebody like you, just to be able to catch up. You're seeing a different point of view of things. Um, it's just fine. I, I got t- I was tired. I don't want to talk about SEO. I don't want to talk about like it's great that it's around. I'm a big yeah. fan of social optimization and what day should I post my post on? But like, dude, I've been waiting for this next evolution and I'm Me too. cannot wait to like it's gonna be a really big 
um, it's going to be a fun show to watch and, and be a part of in my, now that I'm in part, this part of my career, like why wouldn't, uh, I feel like I've been doing radio for 30 years and here comes the television yeah. and it's like, I'm all about the television. I want the television. Yeah. I need the television in my life. And, and we talked a little bit about what it means to creators and what it means, um, uh, for, for the consumer, for the for human being that's going to be in the metaverse. What I wanted to, before we leave, thank you so much for spending a little extra time. Of course. But what I wanted to go into is something usable. Um, cause it's, I love talking philosophy with you, or at least like, I know, but that's, and I could, I, I rarely do it with folks these days, other than just myself back and forth here in, Wax and here in the studio. Wax and but, um, what about brands out there, marketers out there? Everybody's talking metaverse thanks to Zuckerberg and Meta. Is a Trust me. I was giving metaverse talks two weeks before that, and I gave metaverse talk two weeks after that. The first one, there was two people that had heard what it is. And the second and the ones after that, everybody in the room at least has ideas. So. Yeah. It's a it's a big part of mainstreaming the term and these ideas, right? Um, it is. It is. So, thinking about 2022 plans and 23 plans, I just tell people like the last thing you want to do if you were a little bit behind when social came and Web 2.0 came, do you want to be do you want to be behind for it? Feel that horrible shit of pain that is being behind the, you know, like where things are going. That was awful. Mm. Right. As all these brands, it was just for kids and then it was this and then it built and it was inevitably going to lead, yeah. but we uh, stagnate and we hold back. Um, so I think, I feel like, uh, fundamentalism it is it is and 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 it, and it is order and chaos right and we do we do and need both really um yeah i said it's on, like the supernova it's like the it's like the sun you know yeah it's like uh, the universe sucking back and forth right like yeah. um what do you think uh what do you think brands can do now great question so um my first thing is to always uh, come out of the gate swinging with the metaverse is not virtual reality. Um, that's a lot of the misnomer is like, um, what virtual reality experience can we make with this? Um, that's a big thing. So um, the metaverse is a stack. It's a tech stack. Um, it's a tech stack in the same way that like when you first got on, uh, when I first got on the computer, it was uh, a desktop computer local software that I used on there and maybe a database that I kept taxes in or something. The next iteration of that was a browser instead of my desktop, instead of mm. localized software, I went to web pages mm -hmm. and instead of saving things on my desktop, I might save it to an FTP space or something like that, but still would save some stuff on my desktop. The next iteration of course is mobile web and suddenly I'm using the cloud. So you can see that there's these stacks and the metaverse is just that next stack. We're already in that stack. It started in 2016 or so. Um, and, and that's really where you see Bitcoin, things like that. So I would say that, you know, you get a lot of uh, voice technology. That's another piece of it because um, you got a lot of machine learning and things like that. So uh, machine learning and AI are already um, pretty prevalent in our lives when it comes to uh, speech to text, voice assistance, all that stuff. And you can see that that was where a lot of brands played three or four years ago. People would make Alexa skills and things like that. 
Um, and then you had brands that really leveraged it, like automotive brands like Ford, uh, fully integrating uh, voice assistants into their cars um, and other, other, of course, other cars as well, other brands. Um, and that's kind of where it first started was that multimodality. Instead of typing, what's an easier way for people to type? Well, cool. Nobody wants to type in their car. It makes sense. A lot of physical pieces there that make sense. Mm -hmm. So now that we're in this whole like beginning of the metaverse, I get a lot of brands that ask me like, how do we play in this space? And I have to say, again, start off by saying it's not VR and then trying to get them to understand what, where people are in the metaverse right now. So the where that people are in the metaverse, I'll be honest with you, are NFTs. That is definitely where people play a lot in the metaverse right now. Um, and it's not hard to partner with an NFT group if you want to. It's not hard to partner with somebody like OpenSea or Foundation or Super Rare um, and leverage that community that already exists. You don't need to build a community. They don't need to be fans of your brand. You don't need um, to start your own Discord and start your own start your project own, yes. of NFT. Like, yeah, you don't have to. The way I like to describe it is we're in the area right now where you need an AOL keyword, but not quite a website yet. <laughs> so because AOL is already doing all the heavy lifting for you. They got the community. They can put it up there uh -huh. for you. Don't go try to get your own community on your website. That's a whole ball of wax, maybe in a couple of years. Um, so partnerships, really big. Uh, yeah. Kind of what my main theme is going to be. But um, NFTs are... are, are um, are everywhere right now. And um, the only thing that really keep in mind there, there are some ecological concerns about NFTs, um, how much energy they consume. There are some eco-friendly NFT options out there as well. So don't let that stop you from jumping into this world and figuring out how they work. Um, the other thing, again, you mentioned the Nike thing with Roblox. Um, that's a really smart way again to partner to partner with people. Now the Nike Roblox thing is a deeper dive. You're talking about going there and creating a whole world. That's going to create some, that's time. You got to understand how the community works, how the system itself works. You got to go create a world, hire somebody to develop that thing. And keep the, it up. The idea is also that it's a perpetual, like it, it keeps going. The world doesn't stop. So it's like, that's right. You need to think it, it, it the maintenance, right? Like you are, that's you right. are starting something like a social account, right? Like you're starting something that could easily become a ghost ship if you don't. Right. I think there's still a disconnect though with the mm -hmm. Nike thing. I'll get to that in a second, but uh, because it's still heavily virtual, yes. um, it doesn't connect to the physical very well, other than you just being there. Um, so, um, so, uh, you know, leveraging those partnerships and you'll see things, of course, everyone wants to talk about Fortnite because Trav Travis Scott and, um, Ariana Grande and they've done other concerts in there, but the brilliance of why that works is because it leverages the community of Fortnite who are already there. It leverages the gameplay of Fortnite that all those players know how to do. Um, so there was a part in the Ariana Grande one where I can't remember what the lyrics were, but it was something about reaching out and helping each other. And there's an action in Fortnite where you heal each other, you reach down and help each other out. And that's what you did during that time period. So it leverages a natural action that people already know inside the game in a community. So there was no legwork for Ariana Grande and their team. There's no legwork for Travis Scott's team. They're not even really performing. It's just a pre-recorded track with some motion added to it uh, but what they're smart is they understand people are in this space and we're going to let people be in the space and work this space how they do and we're just going to be there 
so those are different because those are lifestyle brands. Those are big Ariana Grande and Travis Scott being entertainers, right. of course, but, um, and lifestyle brands always have an easier time. Yeah. Of course, and you can look at the skins too and Fortnite and all the things. I mean, they're the masters. They're truly the masters of the mashup and like bringing all these different IPs and, 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 uh, you know, everything from Batman to, uh, Rick and Morty to every, all into totally. one playable world. It's fun to watch, but the, like you said, like, and it's a little bit cheat on pop marketing. Like, those kinds of assets are easy or yes, because they are popular and celebrity is pot like it, it has its own gas tank, right? Like, totally. Totally. I mean, it's, you know, the reason that, um, the reason that beats was so popular is because it leveraged celebrity, uh, it leveraged the, the Olympic team and the NBA so heavily. Um, the reason that, um, and it already had a story with Dre, right? Like it already had that it, like right. it's core uh, DNA was built from, from right. That. But like the marketing behind it was so smart because it was like a little, um, revolutionary. Uh, uh, you can't even wear headphones or anything like that. They won't even let those things allowed on the Olympics anymore mm-hmm. because of, uh, because of, because of that. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that, um, it's the same thing. It's really the same thing and trying to leverage the same, trying to partner with the right people. Um, I say all that because to get into the metaverses, there's a lot of ways into the metaverse. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about this before and I'd be really bad if I didn't, but AR is huge right now. Um, everybody has a phone pretty much, uh, in any marketable area in the world that has cameras capable of displaying AR. Um, so, um, you'd be hard pressed to find a device that you couldn't activate some sort of an AR experience on. And pretty much every social channel has AR activated as ad units. So not only do you have the capability of using something that's part of the metaverse, it's already an ad unit that's already there. So, mm-hmm. um, there's just so many like ways of partnerships between NFTs partnerships. If you're going to get into world building pieces, uh, definitely partnerships there. Um, but, um, you can go all in and do something like Nike world, uh, and Roblox. Um, but I think what I think my, if I'm going to put any kind of criticism on that activation piece of it, I wish they would have connected it to the real world a little bit more. I wish they would have had, uh, employees from Nike in there. I wish they would have felt like if I bought a pair of shoes, I could get them. I wish it would have felt like it was like, um, I don't know, more connective tissue to the real world, I guess would be a good way to say it. I think that's where the metaverse kind of fun part of the metaverse is, as I talked at length about before, but, um, you know, pulling, pulling, not making it just a virtual thing. Cause we can kind of already go do that. And if I want a pair of shoes and I want them real bad, um, I'm going to use the easiest, easiest method that I can, which probably isn't a 3d space to go hang out with people to go get shoes unless I'm absolutely required to be there for like a drop or something. So, um, always keeping that in mind as well with brands is that we're not, these aren't the easiest things. People seek these out. These are not, um, we're at the web of the early days right now. It's easier, you know, back when the web was around, it was much easier to just go to the store and buy it. Um, it's not that way anymore, uh, but it was back then. So the people who were getting involved in e-commerce were kind of uh, doing so in like a renegade fashion, wanting to put the framework there. 
Uh, but they knew they saw the future and potential of it all. And, and obviously they reap all the benefits from being, uh, Mm-hmm. being some of the first ones there. So I think the metaverse is the same way. I think there's a lot of avenues in there that are really low hanging fruit, which I hate that phrase. Let's call it heavy peach, mm. heavy peach. Yeah, um, I like that. And I stole that from Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, um, but um, you know, there's a lot of avenues in that are, that are uh, don't require a lot of legwork. It just requires that you understand the community. And if you don't, the community exists for you to partner with. You can literally go reach out to them and say, I have an idea. Uh, NFT space is very, very, very strange. Um, so it's usually helpful to find people who understand how it works. Don't go mm-hmm. in. Don't go in. And Coke had just hit a big one on gaming too. I think gaming's important. Yes. And yeah. I think they just showed everyone in the world that doesn't matter how much money you have, like you have to connect with the communities now. And like you, it's not that... It's not even a chance in hell that you're going to go in there and and not be the weirdo in the party, right? Like, who right. the hell is this guy? Like, you have, I think you're 100% right on. And I would even double down and say, you don't dare. Don't, don't try to go in there on your own and try to act no. like you own the place. It is not no. going to go your way. It's not going to go well. Like, you, how are you going to help this community out? Like, how are you? And the first thing is like by working with the community itself and right. the leaders by, of by that. legitimately being part of the community and taking the That's, time to understand how it works and what they need. And dude, it ain't rocket science, but it sure the hell is different than a traditional media buy, right? That's what's totally. the problem. And, and there's so many great ways to do community engagement with that. I mean, there's one that's like an African elephant where you can collect uh, NFTs of drawings of African elephants and uh, they take the money and it goes to saving African elephants. And it legitimately does go the money. I think they probably raised 60 or $70,000. It's completely can see where the money's going. It's completely open. And like a lot of uh, non for profit, right? Like you can see where that and what is going to where I, I, and also think about this, this is the dumb stuff too. It's like, if I buy a pair of Nikes, this is coming, I guarantee it. But if I buy a pair of Nikes at a certain place in time, I want to wear those Nikes in my digital world too. Uh, I want to wear I, those Nikes. I want them to be, you know, when I have glasses, I want them to be, what do I get? It's a ticket. It's access. How do, how I do, how do I, I'm so looking forward to this idea of, we didn't even get to touch like, you know, fandom being paid back or play, uh, pay for to play or what like, if you could own your classic 1967 Ford Thunderbird with suicide doors in mint green with your original VIN number yes, as an NFT. To- totally. Those are, those cars are unique already. Um, that is a, that is a non fungible item. Correct. Yeah. Right. And, and, um, and then you could tie things to it where it's been, you know, how, how many owners it's had. You could pass the NFT. I mean, there's like so many cool things. I don't think about like car show. I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, if you have that data on each of the car, like how much, usually I'm just walking up to the cars and going, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But if you could have it express different content towards you of like what that thing is about, you know? Yeah. Every totally. item. I, mean, I think anything that's unique definitely lends itself really well to an NFT and anything that's not unique, you can make unique. <laughs> So it's that's pretty that's, interesting. Give it a story. It's like we've been doing it for years. Um, I know, exactly. Hey, 
I got I I know you are a busy man, um, and I'm so grateful uh, to sit down and just chat with you of all the cool stuff that's been going on. I'm excited. I'm so glad you're um, still excited. You've been in this game for a minute, uh, uh, especially minute when it comes to creating in the 3D space. Uh, you should probably check out your uh, what, what talk about your Spark AR work for a bit, and especially yeah, yeah. the curriculum, uh, the certification, the stuff that if I were somebody like starting my career or in the middle of my career, even yeah. like the like if you are interested in creating this 3D space, um, what where should they go or where do you so have them? I would say, um, it's imperative that you understand how these spaces work. Um, the same way that it's important you understand how the web works. So even something as simple as a web request, oh, I'm sending a thing out to a website and it responds back to me. Um, that simple concept helps you understand how this world works, especially, you don't, you don't have to be a developer, um, mm -hmm. but it does uh, give you a firmer grasp over what's possible, how to concept in these spaces, and... Um, honestly, just a fundamental, um, inner workings of what's coming. So what I do is, um, I work really closely with social AR and I do that, uh, very specifically for, uh, mass audiences. And I do that because I like seeing how people adopt things. I'm a child of AOL, um, and uh, really liked that as lauded as AOL was, it really was the birth of the internet for so many of us in the world because- um, It's an easy on-ramp. Right. When it's, uh, when it's poppy and it's got the wacky pomo, you know, wacky postmodern with the, with the fun triangles and the, and the sprinkles and it looks like the 90s, um, I want to play with it. And that's what was so cool about AOL is that it was marketed well and, and, it, and it brought- this, um, I'll say dumb version of the internet to the world, but that brought the internet to the world regardless. And I feel like social AR is the same way. Um, I'm going to use the word dumb, but it's not, um, it doesn't take rocket science to connect with people and it doesn't take a lot of, um, narrative, uh, to get people in the door in the very beginning of these things. People are just naturally curious and word of mouth spreads. People are like, Hey, I got to get on that email thing. That's how it all started. Um, they realized that you could do more than just taxes with your computer. And, uh, people realize that you can do more than just look at websites with your phone. Um, it gets, it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it goes. So, I do a lot of teaching in the curriculum space for, um, or I do a lot of teaching in the AR space uh, to create curriculum around augmented reality. So I do a lot of teaching for this piece of software right here, ding, uh, that's called Spark AR. That piece of software uh, is Meta or Facebook's uh, AR software. It works in every camera that Facebook or Meta has access to. So Instagram, Messenger, uh, Portal, uh, Facebook, anything that has a camera that they own. Um, and you can create augmented reality experiences in there. So, um, so what I do is one, I teach people how to use this stuff, uh, just from a software standpoint. But what I try to do is inspire people to understand that the world is going to change this way. Um, if you're a, come from the web development world, you're used to positioning things in X and Y, and now we have to care about Z, which is the depth 
That's really it. If you use Photoshop, you're already there because you're using layers. You're already there. If you're using CSS, you use something called a Z index, which is your stack. You're already there. You're already using depth. You're just not visualizing it from the side. So that's all I'm really trying to do is to get people who come from these traditional areas uh, that have been doing this stuff or might have just started doing this uh, web development world or illustration world, web, uh, web design world, um, to understand that making this leap, you're already there. You're already there. It doesn't require that much. Um, you're just not looking at it from the side. And when you look at it from the side, it's a whole new world. Uh, but you can still design in these spaces, and we need people badly. So um, when I first started doing the web development stuff back in the early 90s, it was very gatekept by developers. Yep. Um, and I, I don't mean that to be in a mean way. It's just the way all software works. Uh, the people who understand how to build it are the ones who build it in the beginning. And so, I had to steal it. It was awful. I felt awful right. about it. But right. you know, you I had, had no other way. I was very poor. You had to. Uh, but you know, it, it's it, it 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 took an army of people. It took an army of roles to make the web uh, grow up. It took a an army of people who weren't programmers who were who dedicated themselves to understanding how people use the web to make the web ubiquitous for everyone. So. That's what it's going to take for XR. It's going to get there. Um, we're going to push it through that tunnel regardless. But if you can be involved as a creator, as a strategist, as an experienced designer, or as a developer, um, we need all those voices. And right now, it's um, it's wide open. Uh, I started doing this no less than three and a half years ago, and I teach people all around the world. I think uh, last year we had 22,000 people sign up for our curriculum. Um, there's a member, our community is 400,000 strong right now. We have 700 or 800,000 creators on Spark AR. Um, I can't tell you how many hundreds of thousands of people I must have taught over the past couple of years. I'm probably the most popular augmented reality teacher in the world, and I just learned this a couple of years ago. Um, so the world is yours. It really is there and it's for everyone and it's coming and it, you don't have to stick with spark. Uh, once you understand the basics, you can jump around and go to other, uh, other platforms, just like you do with web languages. You don't have to use not Microsoft stuff. You can come use PHP or whatever. The logic is still basically the same. It's still if then else you're still doing loops. You're still doing all that stuff. So but spark is a great um, starter, right? Like it is a great place to start. It is, it is a really is. great place to start. Cause it's not, trust me, I've been in unreal. I've been in blender. Like if you start to go into the 3d engine stuff, we've talked about it is not user friendly. If, it is not. I mean, it is really, I, and, and you know, I'm used to some weird wacko stuff, but I jumped in. I'm like, Oh, I'm toast. I'm back. And I'll out. say, I'll say spark wasn't easy when I first got into it. Um, and, it, and for the same reasons I'm talking about, it, it, it was developer centric, developer focused. Yep. It was all about scripting and, and the way that they phrased everything. Everything was about occlusion. If you don't know what that means, you have to go look it up. You know, occlusion basically just means you're hiding something behind something. You're occluding it behind something else. So, so if I want to have this pen float around my head, I need to have something to hide behind because it doesn't know my head's there. Ah. So, um, so, but just talking in English, um, 
it was so beneficial. So anyway, that's what I do. I do a lot of teaching. I try to re- do a lot of uh, mass outreach to people who are coming from the web development world um, or coming from the traditional ad world, traditional illustrator world, traditional creative world uh, who feel like um, I can't do this. All I know is Photoshop or all I know is CSS or all I know is JavaScript. Dude, come on by. I promise you. That's where I started too. I started just knowing how to do scripting. There's some people who just know how to do shading. There's some people who just know how to do modeling. There's some people who just know how to do computer vision to detect things in the scene. There's a lot of us out there who just know how to do one thing. Um, you don't know how to do any of it. You don't have to know how to do any of it. You can jump into it knowing what you already know, I promise. And that's because the tools are so easy and, and they're only going to get easier. So heed that warning. They're only going to get easier to do this stuff. Yeah, I mean, so more creators, more, more opportunities. And it's and you know <laughs> it, it's inevitable. So, and I'm not selling anything. You're not selling right. anything. It's like not all of that's free. And it's like it, get in now. And I'm I'm just saying it with and I know you feel the same same about it. I'm saying it because I want more people to feel like they could write their own story and can create their own yeah. stuff. And they don't I'm not saying it's going to have an executive position it, for a creator. It's a really crazy good time. You know, like, it's amazing. It's and, just and a all... really opportunity. I would hate for people. If you're listening to this, I'd hate for you to miss it or feel yeah. scared of it. Just don't feel scared of it. It's like, it is, there's plenty of on ramps and God, like I'm saying, it's like most of them are free. There's one where like right here. It's like, yeah, on. it's all free. There's a, there's a ton of great. That's one reason I really like the spark AR side of things is because the community is so robust and yeah. there's everybody helps each other. Some other communities aren't quite as robust. Um, but that's because we all made it that way and we all just chipped in and just, I started making tutorials way in the early on and then other people did. And then we all just started sharing scripts and stuff. So, and the reason was because we realized a, a rising tide raises all boats. The more people that do this, the more brands are going to want to get on it. The more, the more I can get other brands in my hands and show it out, the more brands come to me and ask me for it. So, um, so that was a really early on thing. And, and I, I think it's just really important if, if you don't lose spark, just learn something to do with spatial design. Uh, that could be game design. It could be game development. It could be 3D modeling. It can be computer vision. Most people are coming from like a creative background. So you can learn Photoshop or Illustrator. That's fine. You can take all those layers and pull them all back out and make something really cool with your flat design. You do not even need to know 3D. A lot of tons of people don't do that. So um just dive in, dive in and don't be scared. It's really, really, really simple. Um, I'm so much gratitude to spend uh, the last hour and a half with you as usual. Um, very enlightening. Uh, appreciate uh, you just being around, you being here. And I'm really, especially through this one versus the last one, you've, you always, even when you're crazy busy, you feel like, I feel like um, you have a good grasp of, your your vision or how you see it, what you're wanting to do, that might change a bunch, and I, it might it does it, change it, it does change a bunch, but it just I, I it, it helps me, um, especially with all this amazing stuff going on to kind of see it in different kind of perspectives on it. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, huge like points of view that I loved. I like make people want to play with it. I think that makes it so 
I heard I've heard so much crap talking on metaverse on like really the future of the internet are these really boring things. Why do people talk about the metaverse? And I'm like, you don't understand humans. Like you are yeah, they said that about the you don't understand humans. Don't st- like that stuff is important, but you got to make me want to play with it. And the yes. metaverse is that perfect word that would just comes. It wasn't like inventing anything. It was around what was already going on, but it was, it, it just fell into places. That word that makes you want to play with it. And, it does. And you're that, totally right. And that is how popular. That's how it works. It's how it works. I, I remember so people my dad. aren't going to get excited about machine learning right now or like no. they're not. And it's okay that, that, that people aren't, holding up signs about that and instead they think it's pretty kick-ass that they can go inside of of you know uh, watch a concert on roblox and that's cool or if they go outside i can tell what any plant is when i go on a hike with my daughter and i you know i look like the ultimate woodsman because i can take a picture of a leaf and it tells me where i'm at and what kind of plant that is that's pretty bad don't let anyone ever tell you that apps like that or Google um, are destroying your brain because there's a great quote uh, from Socrates and you can go look it up of him complaining about his students having books because to him books ruined your memory because you didn't have to remember it anymore. Yeah. So, the, so, so Hey, so we it's, always been this way. it's always right. been, and then from, always. from print to radio, to all of them, trust me, you want to go always. back into the news and see the articles written. It's always totally. going to end it. because guess what? It is change. And yep. we are of both that fundamental and more that, you know, the other side of extremism, it. extremism, yeah. like we've always been that way how it works totally it's you know like you said it's um if you want to make people play with something i mean that's really the goal the goal is just to get people in there and and they want to play with it because the very first iteration of the internet was connecting libraries together and my dad was so excited about it and he was like it's amazing we're connecting libraries together and i remember saying something about like wouldn't it be cool to watch tv shows and he was like that's not what it's for yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's not the exciting part. But it, and it, I love my dad, but he was wrong. <laughs> he is wrong, but he's so that's an engineer talking. I'm guessing, yes. like that's an engineer. I know him. It's engine and it's awesome. But that's that that's that order side, right? Like this is what the tools for. I'm not thinking of it in the outside, and I love talking to you because I get to you blow things up and talk about those. And um, thanks for the last hour and a half of just Luke Hurd and uh, going back and forth of between um, philosophy and, and, you know, stuff that you can actually use. I love that. It's a good mix. I, I'm so happy you invited me back on here. I've been wanting to come back on here and Um, just so great. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on. You can find Luke Hurd everywhere on the internet it's really not uh, tough to find you but you can see the show notes uh uh thanks man thank you so Take much it easy and see everybody on the next uh pop marketing podcast later gator thank you for listening to another episode of the pop marketing podcast the podcast goes out every other week and in it i interview pop marketers thinkers and makers as we continue to unlock the methods and tactics that popular culture uses to grab and then hold on to our attention. 
and then inspire us to make better, more courageous, and attention-worthy content of our own for whatever audiences that we serve. Please subscribe to the podcast and give a five-star review if you're digging what you're hearing. You can hit me up with ideas or feedback directly at joe at pop-marketer.com and to sign up to my Pop Rocks newsletter that comes out every two weeks with absolutely no selling and only the freshest of pop marketing case studies and news, go on over to pop-marketer.com and sign up directly from my homepage. So long, true believers, and see you back here on the next episode of the Pop Marketing Podcast. Thanks again. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.